podcast. You're listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. What a bizarre thing we've created. Now with your host, Adam Thorne. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one Two, of all time. One, go. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. Uh, we obviously have no affiliation with Joe Rogan and his podcast other than the fact that we talk about what Joe talked about during the week i am affiliated and this week you big fan well okay is that an affiliation though george or is it just a thing that you said that's the biggest affiliation one can have we have a lot to talk about because tom green he was yep excited about this fact tom green was a great guest to have on that and i'm really glad that tom came on yeah. Tom's great because Tom really in a lot of ways was one of the pioneers of this type of of media. Like he didn't necessarily have a podcast himself, but he did like a TV show back in the day and recently um he posted something online and they talk about it on the podcast just where Joe went in to his studio which was at his house in the early days where he's running off like servers and there's wires everywhere and and what's really cool about watching the video Mm -hmm. and you can find it on youtube joe is like his eyes light up when he's like talking through the process like wow this is so cool that you can do this and you can just say whatever you want and there's no producers no director and you can just see his his wheels turning in his head like he's loving that idea and it's I think it was recorded just right before he started the podcast, which is really cool, I think. Tom Green was ahead of time. His regret was one when YouTube contacted him and said, hey, we like what you're doing. Would you like to use our servers? And uh, he said, no, I'm doing my own thing. And the second mistake, when he got a letter from the guys that they were running the videos, his servers. Right. And he found out how much it costs to actually run video to millions of views. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they sent him a bill for, like, what, like $40,000 or something? He could have said, all right, you guys run the servers? He would have told those guys, okay, you guys, um, I'm uh, now with YouTube. Just do the show, the Tom Green show on YouTube. Starting in 2006, he would have been started with the same time. You remember that guy, the three times guy who was commenting on the three funny videos on youtube no i have no idea i didn't pay a lot of attention the problem was though back then well you don't remember so it doesn't matter because back then were were even enough people watching youtube to where it was worth him putting his show on there i mean youtube was pretty new back then was it even viable to make a lot of money on youtube in like 2006 2006 youtube just started and you could have put uh, only five minutes videos at a time ah okay so that wouldn't have worked for tom green though back then right exactly so that probably wasn't an option maybe this is not enough length uh, for my show because he has a long show he could have put it in pieces and you know just go with the trend just to make a parenthetical here i was actually the first youtube channel in the world on a time when you could upload only 15 minutes in length, YouTube gave me the permission to upload videos over one hour. How did you get that set up? I put up my movie trailers and then I wrote them a letter. I said, hey, look, these are my trailers, independent films, and I would like to publish the full length on YouTube. And I can't upload them in pieces. I would like to upload the whole thing. 
And they said, oh, great, we have a program. They sent me an email. I didn't speak with nobody. And they gave this feature to my YouTube account. That's ah, pretty sweet. It was great for me. So it for could have been possible. It could have been possible. It kind of oh, sounded yeah. like to me when when Tom was talking, it almost sounded, and and, and you chime in on this and let me hear what you think, but now, it almost sounded like he he had this idea and he was going with it, but he almost like quit and changed direction. And I don't know if he really used that to continue to build momentum or if he kind of missed the boat on like starting a podcast and making money that way because it kind of seemed like tom green dropped off the map for a long time he had the momentum at the wrong port the boat was not ready yet to get to the shore and he jumped boat too early yeah when youtube this thing happened that they gave me the permission to upload a long form video on youtube it was 2009 Right. When Tom Green had the full blown up video studio with a TV show and ready for streaming, it was 2007. Ah, so he got in too early. Yeah. Yeah, well, but at least he set the trend for a lot of people. And the fact that he inspired Joe, it's like really any of the guys that helped Joe even put the show together. I mean, you know, think of their contribution. Because without them, Joe may have never even made his show. Right. Yeah, crazy times, man. I mean, really, it's fascinating. He's uh, he's a bit of a quarantine nut, it sounds like, too. He didn't really like, he, you know, this is the first time he's left his house, too, he was saying. He, like, wouldn't have gone for anyone else, but he went for Joe. And uh, I, he kind of equated that to his health scare that he had, having that, uh, what do you have, testicular cancer? That kind of scared the shit out of him i think so that's probably why he was uh you know so cautious about leaving his house yeah getting sick i watched a couple of his old videos he put them on youtube because he keeps his uh archive he said to joe oh yeah i keep all the videos because joe he said oh i don't give a fuck right i have some videos from uh some public access show that he did when he started uh, as a comedian did you ever watch his show back in the day it was really quite funny it was very good it was a super wacky like it was almost set up like a late night talk show he used to have this guy that like would sit in the window Mm -hmm. and just giggle and he always had like a cup of tea in his hand or a coffee or something yeah and uh it was it was wild it was almost more like uh eric andre's show not quite that insane but it was it was a nut show Mm -hmm. it was really funny I think it was in high school I used to watch that. That was a long time ago now. Long time ago. Long time. When I saw it, I said, wow, this looks much like Borat. Borat had the same kind of style of going, making fun with people, mixing reality and fiction. Oh, yeah. In a documentary style. Yeah, Tom Tom Green was excellent at that early on. Really, really good. Kind of pioneering it, really. I mean, Ali G was uh, that Sasha Baron Cohen was doing that stuff with Ali G for uh, like through the 2000s. Uh, so so it's probably around the same time. But I, I think Tom Green might have beat him to it. Honestly, he was he was a wacky dude. He didn't he really didn't give a shit. He really just wanted to like express his creativity however he could. And I, I always respected that a ton. 
Mm-hmm. He's a lunatic. I love it. You're a comedian, so all comedians, you guys look at each other and not necessarily copy, but uh, you get inspired from each other. Uh, when I make a movie, I get inspired from other films I watch, and I say, "Wow, look at this guy! How he shot this! How he wrote that!" For sure. Yeah. Well, he's you know he's an inspiration in that sense. I mean, Joe definitely made that point many a times. You know, he talked about his whole setup at his house and how impressive it was to see how he turned his house into a studio. And it was definitely something Joe wanted to do. I mean, it, it was really very cool. And, uh, and, and, you know, and Tom's talking about, like, wanting to get back to stand-up as well. Like, he's always loved stand-up comedy. He wants to get back and do stand-up, which is, you know, a ballsy move when you've been away from it for a long time. I don't think I've seen a lot of Tom's pure stand-up. Uh, so I, I don't really know like how good he is. I'm sure he's very funny, but uh, it's it is ins- it's very impressive. It's an impressive drive, and uh, it's inspiring too. Just in that sense, that he wants to get back out there and and do that thing again. I mean, I, he didn't really talk about having a podcast. If he doesn't have one, he definitely needs to. He didn't say he has a podcast. I'm sure he does though. Just the audio. I don't think so. I don't remember. He doesn't have video. I don't remember. He has di- different little shows he does, but I don't think he has like a, a podcast right now. But he could do anything. He could do like a little silly show just on YouTube and it would get a ton of viewers. One thing about Tom Green, he can do interviews like Joe Rogan because he's a little bit older now. His show can be changed a little bit. He was interviewing Joe Rogan. Wow, how do you have this energy for the show, Joe? How do you talk? You get so excited. Like, freaking, he was uh, three hours into the show. Yeah, he's he's a natural interviewer for sure. Well, that's why he would be so good at it. I mean, it takes a lot of practice, uh, I'm sure, to be able to, you know, want to come up with those questions and, and kind of be that curious naturally and and make it like a fun conversation. But it's also like he took that time to learn. He just wasn't he wasn't there just self-promoting. He was really reflecting on how Joe did his show and how it was working. And and I thought that was that was excellent. You know, it was it was fascinating to watch that. Joe was telling him basically, bro, you didn't really miss the boat. You are in the boat from the beginning. You are the innovator. You and I. He mentioned Howard Stern and uh, Anthony Cumnia. Uh, Adam Curry. Adam Curry is like the the god, the OG, the O O G O G. But yeah, the, those guys. They're all the original dudes, really. Adam Curry is the inventor of podcasts, basically. Pretty much. I think that it's hard to say who really did it early on. I know Ricky Gervais really early on had a podcast too, but uh, I'm pretty sure it was Adam Curry. Adam Curry was on Rogan not that long ago, and uh, he was talking a lot about his setup. And I I don't know what he's doing now, whether he kind of stuck at it. He probably still has a podcast. Yeah, I mean, he he really kind of paved the way. And then the, uh, was it Opie from Opie and Anthony? also had his own home studio yeah so he did he did something very similar as well and he that dude's very funny wacky guy but very very funny dude indeed and howard stern i mean without him nothing like none of this would be existing yeah because i guess even though that was on the radio that really was like the first kind of long form say whatever you want style of of talking for entertainment right i can't think of another style that was like that like howard would talk for hours yeah like every day unbelievable he would come on the radio and would just do a talk show 
and they would ask him, no, we have to interrupt. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry, I smoked some weed. Illegal in California here. <laughs> you have to uh, play music. Bro, th- I am talking. Talking for the guy. This, I'm using his words because he, sa- he says this numerous times. He repeats it on his show. I concentrate on this radio show to sound like I'm talking to the guy who's driving the truck. It's a guy, not a woman. And goes to work or whatever, uh, you know, in the morning at 6 a.m. And he was just conquering radio market after radio market. Yeah. Because it didn't exist anything like that. You would turn on the radio and it would just keep listening. For sure. He would know how to move the show. He would he, uh, got so much experience. And- yeah, for sure. But look, I really liked it. I thought this was, that's a great conversation for anybody that uh, just loves the medium of this style of podcasting you know what it is and like how it got there i mean podcasting hasn't been around a long time so eventually it's going to have its own history it's like who was the first person to do it how did they do it how did it get started and when people put it together tom green's name is going to be on that list and yeah howard in his own way in his own way how did this medium work uh, it was it was ballsy early on when the podcast came on and the podcast was growing slowly it was not really noticeable he was making fun of podcasting Howard. oh yeah no doubt well he didn't he howard didn't like anything that there was any kind of competition he was ruthless oh yeah so even when people started copying what he did he wasn't about them doing that he wanted he wanted all the viewers all the time whereas joe has never been like that joe has encouraged everyone always to do podcast that's why it's almost funny that i mean there's we're not the only review talk show that talks about rogan and often people write in the comments like why do you guys even do this it's stupid well that's fine you can think that but even joe's like you want to do a podcast do it do it about whatever you want i'm sure he couldn't give he couldn't care less that but he's probably happy that people do this he just wants people to do podcasts he loves it well because he costs 15 bucks for a month to to start the podcast howard when he went on satellite he had offers from these two companies, Sirius and XM. At the time, XM was much bigger than Sirius. Money, Howard asked for a lot of money. Um, they laughed at him and he told them, look, uh, there's going to be only one satellite company that's going to win from this. The one that picks me. Yeah, probably true. The guy kept laughing. The, all those guys in a, you know, how is the CEOs in a round table in there. And then he left. The serious company grew up until they bought XM because XM was almost going bankrupt. Didn't they pay him like $50 million for like a contract? It was insane amount of money. Howard is the highest paid entertainer in America today. Wow. $500 million per contract for five years. Jesus. He's now at the second contract. I love that. So for 10 years, he got $1 billion to his corporation, not to him personally, because he has... Get the fuck out of here. Really? A billion dollars? Well, for 10 years. Are you sure? For 10 years, yeah. Still, it's a hell of a lot of money. Yeah. Well, good for him. He nailed it. What did you think of the Owen Smith podcast? Now, Owen Smith is a great comedian, underrated Joe's always talking about it. He's an absolutely hilarious comedian. Um, he got stuck, I guess, being a writer for a show for a long time, so people don't know him that well. Uh, but he's open for Joe a lot. He's known Joe a long time, and Joe can't say enough good things about him. 
uh, very smart guy. I liked it when he was talking about, you know, he, he knows, what was it, uh, Japanese he knew? And he was, like, talking some Japanese and explaining how the language works. And, I mean, he's obviously a very intelligent dude. I like his documentary that he did. Did you watch the episodes with Joe looking through his comedy notes? Oh, yeah. Damn it. What is Is it just called? Fuck, what was that called? Notebook? Yeah. It's just called Notebook, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've watched the one with Joe. I think he has four episodes now. And uh, it's fascinating. I mean, you know. Like, if you pursue any kind of stand-up, it's knowledge that's very important. But it's it's just interesting to know for anybody because people don't realize what the process is, like how people even go about coming up with these jokes. And, mm-hmm. I mean, if more people knew that 99% of everything that you wrote down is complete garbage, I mean, you'd have a lot more respect for how polished the comedy is by the time it gets to a special. By the time it gets to a special, they've thrown out 99% of their material and they really hone those jokes for like a year, maybe two years. It's an unbelievable amount of work. It's it's incredible, really. Don't miss Notebooks with comedian Joe Rogan. Now season one, episode three, available on YouTube. Is it? A, it's on YouTube, is it? You can watch it for free? Yeah, it's 15 minutes per episode. Nice. That's good. I got to check those other ones out. I really liked Owen, and I really hope that he gets uh, a special out soon. I mean, for sure. Mm-hmm. And he seems very caring, too. Like, he was talking a lot about what we're going through, the coronavirus, and he like he had a lot of compassion for, like, people that are, like, living alone during quarantine, how difficult that is, like, how people are going to struggle to pay their bills. Um you know, he's just he he just thinks in a very interesting way. He's always like he was telling a story about how he explains things to his kid. And it's like his kid's very young, but he's like almost training him to thinking a way to where it's like, OK, so you've got this guy and he's going skateboarding or something. But now someone else needs to get a hold of him. So what does that person think? And he was like just putting together this like branching effect of thinking, which I thought was Really cool. That, that's like a fun thought experiment with like a little kid to understand. He talked about a lot of stuff. I just don't remember exactly. Well, they get into, so they talk about, they talk about Joe Biden for a long time. So, so obviously Owen is not a fan of Trump, right? He's a liberal guy. Where, where Joe, he expressed his opinion again that Joe Biden is basically not able to form sentences. Yeah, yeah. Well, he has the, some kind of dementia. And Owen was saying, well, it doesn't matter about him because he's going to put a good cabinet together. So we're really voting for the cabinet. Who cares? And, and Joe kind of mocked him a bit. He's like, what? You don't vote for a cabinet. But a lot of people are thinking that way. A lot of people want to. A lot of people are just so anti-Trump that they, that they are willing to do that. And I, I don't have a judgment either way. Vote for whoever you want. Like, that's totally up to you. But, um, you know, it's it's just interesting to hear that back and forth. I mean, they're obviously friends. Joe's obviously a liberal guy. He's just, Joe's making the point, I think, that he's like, we should have got someone better for this. Like, I don't feel comfortable voting for someone that can't put thoughts together. You said Joe is liberal? Yeah, Joe's, Joe's a, 
a pretty liberal guy. I think he's liberal with guns and uh, some uh, stupidity. No, 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 no. That's that's not liberal. He's not liberal with guns. He's more he's more Second Amendment pro, which is generally more conservative. But pretty much everything else, I think he says that he's liberal on. It's what it seems like to me. I mean, just because he looks like a meathead doesn't mean that he's a Republican. Yeah, like th- those things don't go hand in hand. Like he's all he's for universal health care and. You know, he doesn't like he's pro gay marriage and and uh, a lot of things like he's he's not a conservative guy. OK, I agree. What do you think? You think that he is? No, I think this thing with the guns, I don't understand it. I don't get it. But that's just one thing. And that's he likes to hunt. It's difficult to hunt without a gun. You're going to throw rocks at deer. You're not going to get very much. Yeah, but that's got nothing to do with the Second Amendment. What, hunting? Hunting is fine. Hunting could go get a gun permit to get that specific gun. I think we're talking about AK-47 automatic weapons that you can buy at Walmart. Ammunition, bombs, you like you can buy anything in this country. It's nuts. Yeah, I don't think that he's pro AK-47, though. Right. I'm sure he has nuances to how he thinks about it, gun control as well. It's not like you're not just all in or all out. There's nuances to it. Mm. Like you can you can be pro hunting and not think that someone should have a machine gun. Like that's different. So, I get I so I'm hearing you're you're not Well, yeah, we're not going to get in a, I'm going to turn your show in a gun debate now. No, no, it's fine. Doesn't matter. I, for me, I don't believe in this stuff. Okay, you're not a you're not a gun guy. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Do, don't be a gun guy. I'm all for it. I mean, I'm not saying I am, but uh, I understand why people like to hunt. I have friends that are hunters, and uh, I appreciate where they're coming from. And I've gone hunting before, and I enjoyed it. Uh, it was an interesting pursuit. It wasn't like I thought it was. It was like there was people had a lot of respect for what they were doing. It wasn't just like hillbillies shooting at animals, you know, while drunk. I mean, it was nothing like that. There was a lot of respect, and it's like a a very difficult pursuit, and uh, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. It's interesting. Last year, I wrote to some hunters, and I said, hey, guys, I would come because I see you have videos on Facebook with your you hunting. I'll come with my camera and film you. I'll do like a documentary mm-hmm. in exchange for a pig. I'll just take the pig, whatever you guys shoot it because I'm not into guns and stuff. <laughs> Because I'm such a big fan of Joe Rogan. And I was thinking, man, what if I contact these guys? They shoot a pig for me. I take it and I freeze it like Joe does. Yep. How'd it go? Never got an answer back. Oh, maybe it's how you wrote the email. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I can get you in contact with some hunters that'll take you out. Hey, George, do you want uh, some meat? You have to kill it, bro. All right, man. Let's go. Fuck it. I'll take the gun. I'll go and kill it. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to take the gun home. The gun stays at the cabin where we're going hunting. It's all under supervision. Nobody enters the area where we're hunting. There's no guns outside in a public area. I got you. Like in my house, in your house, or in some bar, or under in some guy's car. Yeah. Like he has a gun. Well, what, why do you have a gun for? Oh, to protect myself against, uh, against who? First of all, if someone's going to rob the house, like you gave the example of the Italian comedian, they broke into his house, he shot somebody. Those guys, they didn't come in to start beating them up and kill them, but to steal the money. 
the thief comes to steal the money. His interest is to steal. He might have a gun, but his interest is just to defend himself on his way out in case you catch him or who knows. Depends how the dangerous is the job. But not to come in there and shoot, what is it, Charles Bronson movies? So there's no need for guns. That is just my opinion. Okay. Well, but if you knew for sure, right, if, if you knew somehow that tomorrow somebody was going to break into your house and your family was there and they were going to have a gun and you don't know who they are. You don't know if they're on drugs or if they're desperate or if they're going to panic. And you, your option was you can either have a gun or not have a gun. The, these are your two options, right? Mm-hmm. What would you choose? To not have a gun. And your family's in there, though. And you don't know. I'm not telling you about this guy. You've got to assume. I'm going to talk that, him down. All right. I'm going to say. Good luck. Look, bro, I give you. What do you need? I have now because I installed the cash app from Joe Rogan and I bought some bad oil stock, but I still have some money. So you take this money. I give you to your own cash app. Give me your cell phone number. And. That seems like ridiculous diplomacy. That's ridiculous. No, I'm going to kill you now. I'm going to kill you and your wife. It's going to be like that movie, Cape Fear, with Robert De Niro. This is, it happens, but it's very rare. Maybe it's like 0.000000001.11111%. Maybe. Look, maybe. Look, I'm, not, I'm just making a point that, like, that, that does, I understand why people would want a gun in that situation. Like, I'm not, I wouldn't judge anyone either way, whatever choice they make. But, I mean, it doesn't seem unreasonable to me if somebody's like, fuck yeah, I want a gun in that situation. Because you don't know who that person is. You didn't ask them to, like, come to your house. I mean, they might be crazy. Like, why are people breaking into houses with guns? They, they, they could be drug problems. People get erratic. They panic. Who knows? I don't know, man. That's a... I think you're perfectly right. You have another argument. Maybe we form a militia, you and me. <laughs> Shut up. I come to... All right, the last bit they talked about, which was interesting, was the amount of time they've taken off stand-up. Now, these guys perform all the time. You know, Joe's always at the comedy store. Owen's always performing when he can. He writes. He's at the store. You know, they tour. And, uh, and they're saying, wow, this is a long time that they've taken off. And when Owen said... Well, actually, the longest time I've ever taken off was eight months because and I thought this story was interesting. So it was when he was 19. He was real young and he just started comedy and he bombed so hard that he took eight months off. Now, imagine how painful something has to be to where you quit for shit. What is that? Two thirds of a year. That's a long fucking time. Uh, That really gives the idea like some idea of how fucking hard it is to do stand-up. Is that a big difference once you're used with the stage? you used with the stage, right? If I, if I put you now on a stage with 50 people, you're going to get uh, butterflies in your tummy? Oh, yeah, you always get nervous. Always. Oh, for real? Yeah, you, you're supposed to. If you don't, it's weird. You know, I mean, the worst I've honestly ever felt was I drank too much. And I didn't drink too... T- I wasn't, like, drunk... But I just had a little bit too much to drink. And, and it was a show where you pick the, the topics from a bucket. So you, you, can't, you can't even do your own stand-up. You have to like make comedy out of what you pick. And because I was a bit too loose, a bit too like, well, you know, feeling the alcohol, it, 
I just couldn't flow at all. Like it was an absolute mess. And in a way, it's almost better to be more nervous because it makes your brain run quicker. Mm -hmm. And to a point, I mean, you get too nervous, you can't think at all. But if you can just control it and you're just like a healthy level of nerves, you know, you really got to piece together a story and it makes you vulnerable and you've got to like get it out. And it's... uh, there's, there's something to it. I mean, the nerves are an important part of it. And, I, and I'm pretty sure, you know, most of the people that I know that do it always feel, always feel nervous. You know, at least at the very beginning. So why would you feel nervous? Once you get going, you're okay. That's what I'm asking you. You already got going. No, 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 no. You got me wrong. Once you get going during the set, it's not like how many times you've done it. I mean, that obviously helps a bit if you like really trust your material. But it's like, it's the the 30 seconds before you go up on stage and then maybe the first minute of being up there is really strange while you're kind of adjusting to the dynamic and then you can kind of get into your last like five six ten minutes whatever you got time wise so uh, right now on the podcast you have an audience that is bigger than 50 people on the stage much bigger so you don't have any problem that's true but i can't see him and i'm not trying to make him laugh so it's way easier. Right. So if you try to make them laugh, like to crack a couple of jokes, that would be difficult? Uh, well, no. I mean, but if I, it would be weird if I like wrote stand-up for the podcast. It doesn't really work like that. It doesn't. I mean, nah. I mean, if we say some funny shit eventually, that's fine. But that's not even what this is for. This is just talking bullshit. When Tom Green said, uh, hey, man, how do you have so much energy? Because I was saying, Joe was doing... Hey, keep telling the story. I'm going to go grab a beer. I'll be back. Joe was actually doing the stand-up on the show when Tom Green was asking him, man, you have so much. Because Tom Green, because uh, had the balls uh, surgery, had a problem with that, with the testicles. I have now gray hair because he was looking at an old video when he was younger. Right. That's it with Tom Green. I was just talking about his uh, balls. Yeah. We're going to bring balls back. Joey Diaz. Seems like we have a video on the internet with Joey Diaz. He took his balls out at the comedy store in his hand. <laughs> Saggy balls. That's great. Great move. I'm a big fan of Joey. I love him. They uh, banned the, the comedy store's uh, Twitch account. They banned him? The banned account. Oh. Maybe temporarily. Uh, he'll be back. He'll be back. Don't worry. But th- that's... He's a wild man. All right. So this on to my next... Uh, this was my favorite podcast. I know that you really like the uh, Kurt Metzger one. I like that one too. But Duncan Trussell, one of Joe's oldest friends, podcast 1464, ended the week that way. So glad he came on. Always a great guest to have. I can't say enough good things about uh, Duncan. He's just a brilliant guy, a wacky guy, super nice, and uh, this show was all the same. I mean, he never does a show without talking about DMT and the alien realm. Have you ever tried DMT, George? Have we talked about this? I don't think you have, right? Except weed, for me, there is no other drug that I would ever try. You wouldn't do it, ever? I'm not interested. You drink, though, right? Do you drink or no? No, I don't drink alcohol. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. Smoke weed, that's it. Oh, well, damn. Look at you, son. It's just the one. It's... Well, I think you're picking a good one. Marijuana is a great drug to to, <coughs> to do. If you were to just pick one, I think that's that's a great one. But they jump into... Well, they were talking about aliens, right? Do they exist? 
could they? And maybe we can see them anyway, because you don't have to travel to the aliens. You just you just take this drug and you're there. And I think that that it's such an intriguing idea. You know, I I often wonder like how many people uh, have tried DMT purely from listening to Joe's podcast. It's got to be a pretty decent percentage of the people that have tried it. I would be afraid. What would you be afraid of? Going insane? The DMT, if it's produced by that gland in a brain, that small thing, whatever is in there. Cause oh, the, the pineal gland? That one. Shock. In a body shock. Let's say something happens. The aliens are coming, like you said, and uh, they, uh, I get my <laughs> body attack, uh, in shock from aliens. That pineal gland, it, my brain shuts down. It concentrates only on survival. So I think that pineal gland is what it keeps the brain still alive, to still jumpstart the brain. In order to keep it alive, it gives you a state of dreams, like intense shutdown, like you shut down a computer... But it's not really shut down, it's in suspend mode. So it still has the memory, but it's just, uh, it's all compressed in there. And to consume as less energy as possible. Yeah. So you can... Well, so what are you worried about happening? It's not like people aren't dying from this. They're not going insane. This substance is so close to that stage of the end of you, the end of me. True. You know, the end of the person. But you're going to die anyway. Don't, don't you want a taste of it? I'm not going to die to smokes with some Indians in uh, South America, bro. <laughs> All right. All right. Hey, look, I respect it, but I'm just saying, just expressing a fear for something that is going to happen anyway, and it might help you prepare for, for that event, give you a different perspective. If it gets FDA approved, and there are a bunch of people that they tried it, and look, we've done tests, this is what actually is happening. We actually discovered how the brain works in uh, the pineal gland. Uh, we know now what uh, these aliens are that you're going to see. So when you're going to get this injection, because Joe Rogan, I understand he knows some people that they could do the DMT injection. And you take this injection, you're going to be just fine. You're going to see some aliens and some spaceships, the mothership. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's going to be uh, because of this. And they're going to explain you medically exactly why is that, ha- that happening. But then probably you're not going to even do it. You say, fuck this. I would rather go pay $300 and get an Oculus Quest. Yeah. Well, they did the, they did the Strassman uh, studies in uh, my university, UNM, University of New Mexico. I think back in like 2000, I think that's the first ever FDA-approved U.S. test that they've ever done where they had a bunch of participants that did intravenous uh, DMT over a period of time. And um, it was interesting. And supposedly the reason the doctor quit doing them is because he came at it from a, a very medical standpoint. I mean, he wasn't trying to look for like all the trippy effects. He just wanted to see what would happen and how the people felt and how they did long term. And uh, there were too many similarities with their stories, and it kind of freaked him out. So he stopped doing it. It's like traveling to another place, infinite time, feeling like you didn't exist. There was just 
so many similarities to the experience and and i i think from that if i remember rightly it wasn't a negative effect for very many of the people there were plenty of people that would say they would do it again plenty that said they wouldn't quite a few that said it really impacted their life in a big way and and some others that said it didn't really but there doesn't seem to be any long-term negative effects from it no casualties under the medical supervision Oh no, nobody definitely nobody died. Nobody had any medical complications. Nobody went schizo crazy afterwards, nothing like that. A couple of people died in South America from DMT, but I don't know exactly. Really? You got to google. Yeah, I, I hey, I don't know all the ins and outs, that's maybe. I'll google it. I'll google it. But but I loved I loved Duncan his his energy coming in and like i always like his perspective he gets into some conspiracy theories about the coronavirus with like a meteor coming by and that was a bit of a wacky story and um you know there i mean there's a lot of kind of bullshit talk out there with like the 5g affecting people and you know i i like his questioning like how he tries to make sense of it all Mm-hmm. I'm, do you have any new theories on coronavirus? Where, where do you stand with that right now? Corona is now manageable. Trump has got sufficient ventilators. I don't watch the press conferences anymore because he got upset with the press and he cut it short. Yeah, well, let, let's talk about that. They talked about the press conference with Trump talking about injecting bleach or disinfectant in people and then using sunlight to... Uh, he didn't say that. Um, yeah, he said something about sunlight can kill viruses. Maybe we can get sunlight inside the body. It was wacky, dude. Did you watch the whole press conference? Yep, and I can tell you exactly what happened. What did he say? So he was there at the podium where he's performing. Donald Trump is a comedian. He's a stand-up comedian. He's most successful stand-up comedian... In America... Yeah, but he's also the president. There is In Ukraine, there is a, a stand-up comedian president. Okay. So what you you saying that what he was saying was a joke? So I'm going to do him now, okay? I'm at the stage. These people are keep asking me, what are you going to do about the coronavirus? Or what's going to happen with the economy? When are you going to open? How many people are going to die? How many deaths are acceptable? All these stupid questions that I would not know how to answer something like that look i'm doing my best here i'm not taking anything on my own i'm just coming in here and keeping you 24 7 i give you comedy i I keep you in good mood telling you everything is gonna be okay we're gonna get the cure we're gonna find something and i'm here listening to these doctors these specialists the corona task force they are running the show right now i'm just here to talk to the to you about it and you're asking me stupid questions so that's his first point second point is you keep asking me i just told you stop asking me stupid okay i understand the light kills the thing because you just the doctor just showed it on a on a screen to the whole world the corona force right it kills the light doctor i'm not a doctor i don't know what's going on you're a doctor i'm the president can't you do something with the light if it kills this virus to put it inside the body somehow and kill it, the virus, inside the lungs or something? He was making a joke. He's a comedian. Look, I'm doing my best here. They are the specialists. They are not doing anything. Yesterday, it was the same story like day before yesterday. We are still 
looking for the vaccine and the economy is shut down. It's nothing new, I can tell you, to witness me right now. As I'm explaining to these guys, get on it. Chlorine kills the virus. Is there any way that you can put some chlorine, inject it somehow, and put it inside the lungs so you can kill this virus so we can all get to work and finish this stuff? Because it's the same story every day. He was making a joke. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was a joke, dude. It wasn't a joke. It was just a careless thing that he said. I mean, it was... It's careless because, like, someone might try and fucking drink bleach or some stupid shit. Like, there's a lot of idiots out there. I don't think... Look, he... I think you're right. He was probably getting tired of the questions, but he wasn't trying to be funny. He was. He was actually trying to say... You think so? Yeah, he was trying to be funny. I'm not feeling that. And then he went backstage, and he realized... Oh, shoot, I'm the president. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a big mistake, for sure. And then when he came around... He's like, whoops. He tried to wash it out a little bit. He didn't wash it clean. Instead of saying, look, I don't know, chlorine and light kills this virus. I just told the doctors, do something. Finish this. Yeah. I want this to be over. That's what I meant. I didn't mean you to go home and start buying chlorine and inject yourself with that. Well, he needs to be careful. I think that that's it's that's just it's it was careless. It was. Why well, apologize to American people for the misunderstanding? If you're too dumb to inject yourself with chlorine or think that <laughs> do the beam light like in Star Trek and kill the virus like that, then <laughs> yeah, that's true. You are you are dumb if you try, if you think that sunbathing will cure you, and drinking bleach. That is a bad move. They definitely don't try that. But it's also, he shouldn't have said that at all. What did you think of Duncan saying that he applied for the CIA? That he went online. And so he's a... Duncan, obviously, is a huge, like, conspiracy theory dude. But he... He was talking about applying for the CIA. And um, they checked the website. And I guess it said that you could... If you've done drugs before, you can still apply. I thought, hey, that's pretty... progressive of you cia duncan trussell wants to be a cia agent i missed that part i don't think so i think he was just really high one night one night and he just saw the website and was like fuck it i'll apply for a job i'm sure they didn't get back to him he could be a great cia agent who knows maybe i did that in probably 2008 or 9 the same exact thing nobody got you applied to the cia most likely yes I remember that. What do you mean, most likely? You forgot? I have a slight memory, like, what if I'm not uh, right? But I clearly remember, what if, what does it take to be a CIA agent? Because I'm a big fan of De Niro's taxi driver. So there is that scene with him and the CIA agent that he was with a a bodyguard. How do you get hired for a a job like this uh, as an agent? Huh. And it was the same thing. You have to send an email and uh, we'll be contacting you. Oh. I missed this conversation, so I, I don't know exactly what uh, what happened. But I, they, Yeah, they didn't really get into more than that, but I, I thought, thought that was interesting. Like I didn't even know they had a website that you could go to. That seems pretty funny. It's like, what? They have a website? That's great. Probably look me up and say, who is this idiot? And then that's it. Move on. Yeah, they, they listen to this podcast once and we both get disqualified immediately. Maybe like no chance on those nerds. All right, well, they. I loved it. I always like Duncan. He's a 
breath of fresh air and and a ridiculous person but some great insights and um you know oh and he has a new show too what was his new show called the midnight gospel i think it's like uh like cartoon style i gotta check that out that sounds really good anything that he makes definitely worth checking out all right so on to kirk metzger 1462 this was your favorite for the yes, week yes there is a there is a cartoon show all right where he did a character he was talking highly about the team that worked at this cartoon and wow how they brought this project to life yeah i'm not familiar with it otherwise i would have talked more about it i i don't know anything about it though which is a shame i should have looked into it but i didn't have any time do you know about the show or no i know it's very successful right now on the internet this cartoon and the character that duncan is playing is amazing and the drawings are amazing and there was only good things let's all check it out i'm a big i'm a fan yeah, of the show i so. definitely want to check that i i want to watch it yeah. i'm i'm looking at the trailer now it's kind of like it almost it looks very trippy it almost looks kind of uh i don't know how to describe it it's a little like rick and morty-esque at least the animation is rick and morty on dmt <laughs> yeah basically basically all right so let's finish up with kirk massacre i've just got a little bit of time we could do 10 minutes on that so this was your favorite guy of the week i like kirk a lot he's been on before uh what did you think i think it was great uh, i was impressed with this story about jehovah witnesses and i was laughing my ass off when he was talking about his farmer's family that they were carrying ballots of tobacco Joe compared that with the um, kettlebells exercise. Right. The farmer strength, that's the real strength, dude. Uh, instead of doing with the kettlebells, because Joe had a guy on a show preaching these kettlebells. Oh, this is all you need. Just do exercise with this. Uh, our guy here, he said, why don't, uh, don't you get a job as a farmer or whatnot? Yeah. Funny. Uh, <clears throat> well, they're, they're immensely strong. They're immensely strong. I mean, for sure. I don't know if it's just because it's like an entire life of like hard work and lifting and probably that. But maybe it's just a lineage, like a strong lineage, like a Viking lineage. But like a farmer lineage is like tough as all nails. I don't know. I've never met like a farmer that was a pussy. I'll tell you that much. Those guys are strong as fuck. And the women that work on farms, too. I mean, they they're just they're just tough it's a hard job uh, this guy was so funny by bringing his life up front and say oh i'm a jehovah witness this is what's up with the jehovah witness thing he was talking about help me out here oh, cults yeah yeah he was talking about cults and why you shouldn't fucking join cults don't join them the conversation about the rapes oh they were hiding the the rapes because they were saying, oh, don't say anything you know because it's just between you and god they were not reporting that to the police or whatnot <clears throat> a lot of crazy stuff like that to the jehovah he was making fun of that so it was fun to listen to him making a comedy out of a, this tragedy what joe was saying that knowing kurt he's always been a, a guy to call out bullshit like he's been very good at identifying bullshit and calling bullshit on things because maybe it's because he was in the Jehovah's Witnesses and he thought too much bullshit. He didn't like that, or he just saw parallels with other stuff, and he's like, "No, this is bullshit." Yeah, too much bullshit. All the Jehovah's Witnesses I've ever met seem like very nice guys. People, they're like Mormons. They seem very nice too. 
but I'm not going to join. Did you notice that, I, I don't know if you watched this one on YouTube, but Joe was wearing a Carol Did It. So he had the Carol Baskins, like a t-shirt that said Carol Did It. You see the, the fucking Tiger King? I did. What's up with that? Well, you know that Carol Baskins, right? I watched the show. Yeah, so so how sh- they accused her of killing the husband? Well, we don't know that. Well, exactly, but Joe had a t-shirt that said Carol did it. Oh, did That's it? That's what his That's t-shirt what I was on get. this episode. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was great. That's a great t-shirt. I love that. I thought that was hilarious. Can't you get sued for something like very, that? Very, very funny. Nah, it's just a t-shirt. Relax. Yeah. Fuck it. Who's going to sue Joe Rogan? Good luck. Right. He can afford some fucking good lawyers. I'd wear that t-shirt. I think that's funny shit. One interesting thing they did talk about that I really liked was when they were talking about how we perceive the media, right? News, fake news, all this stuff. And he brought up the fact that he thinks that The Daily Show kind of, even though that's a great show, like it it like changed the way that we see the news because it was comedy. It was comedy and news, and there's like a new generation that grew up with like funny news like think of uh that john oliver show the uh what is it called the week weekly report or no fucking idiot come on weekend report i don't know john oliver's show on hbo he's it's like it's comedy but it's also news and that's that's interesting that i've never really thought about how the daily show kind of changed the way that we understand the news have you ever thought about that in the beginning, I thought about it when Fox News came on with Bill O'Reilly. And he didn't represent the news. He was a comedian telling the news. Right. Having the Republican side. He could have been bought by Democrats at that time on that station. It don't matter. It was just a stand-up show to me. Well, Fox News is like heavily like conservative anyway so like pretty much all of their news guys are conservative guys so that was the beginning when i saw wow a reporter or a a tv show host a tv news host is not now uh, impartial anymore all right so you know what you're watching it didn't happen uh, like that before independent cable networks news networks fox news yeah, they definitely got very polarized after that, for sure. I, that's why I always liked the Colbert Report. Did you ever watch that with Stephen Colbert? Yeah. How he would do, he would do like a parody on a conservative talk show host. But it was like... The country is split 50-50 between Democrats and Republicans. So for, uh, if I would run the network, the company, and this guy would say, uh, my show is for a Republican. I said, bro, you're nuts. That's not going to happen. You can be neither Republican or Democrat. We sell this show to the whole America, the country. Here, we don't keep aside for, uh, you understand? No, I cannot do that. And I'll say, okay, bye-bye. I'll hire the next guy. Well, it's for ratings, though. They kind of got to follow that flow, right? They got to see whatever pushes the most ratings. And it seems like for the late, those talk shows, late-night talk shows, it's all about being pretty liberal. Like, they're all Democrats, for sure. That's a mistake. From a business perspective, Yeah, I like Democrats. I like more Democrats, more uh, social programs. So, I like that. You think they should be more middle of the road, though? To sell to the entire country. So, the stock goes up. 
You want to do business or you want to do politics? Which one? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. Well, I liked I liked the fact that Kirk brought that up. I thought it was really smart. Like I'd never looked at the news like that before. And it really made me think about like how absurd the news has got and why people are like, you know what? This the these news like CNN or Fox or whatever is so polarizing. Why not just watch John Oliver or um you know, the Colbert Report or the New Daily Show? It's like you know, does it even matter at this point where we get our news from? It might as well make it entertaining. Might as well make it funny. That's when you do both. You do business and politics in the same time. Narrow your audience, like Fox News does. I gotcha. And you're gonna sell only to old people. You saw the advertising on fa- <laughs> it's just Fox old News. People, yeah. Yeah, they sell like you know, jack. It's just jackets, old people. Umbrellas, stupid, idiotic catheters. They have money or life insurance. Yeah. Remortgaging. So. Yeah. Buy gold. Right. Yeah. It's old people shit. All right. So final thoughts on Metzger. If I would run the network, I'm just putting this out there, you know, for the people. Maybe I get a job as a network executive. <laughs> if I run the network and I'll have to report to my boss. So what happens uh, now? You have my audiences from uh, 58 to 115 years old. Get the fuck out of here with this network. You got us bankrupt. I want to sell to the young people that they make money. I want to sell to 18 to 48. Yep. Because the children network is separate. All right. So final thoughts on Metzger. I know it was your favorite one. Let's wrap it up. Nothing else because I'm going to tell you because this is my favorite show. It's just I didn't have time. And when I listened to it, I felt asleep and then I had to go back to work. <laughs> I didn't have time to listen to the whole show. So what else did they talk about these guys? The, not the, I almost said pederast, dude. But not a pederast. How do you call this? Uh, Pentecostal. One bit they di- didn't get in, we didn't get into was uh, they started looking at people with syphilis, just like the effects of syphilis. So they were just basically talking about diseases in the past. And, like, how fucked up it was. Like, your nose would fall off of syphilis. Your skin would open up into these, like, nasty... What would they be called? Ulcers, maybe? Wow. And then your, your hair would fall out. So that's why people would wear wigs. And if you were super rich, you would have a bigger wig. And that's where the expression big wigs came from. Big wigs just means that you had a lot of money. But really, it also means you had fucking syphilis and your hair fell out. So you wore a wig. And I don't know, maybe it was such a, a status symbol that it maybe even people without syphilis would wear wigs just so they had fucking big hair. I don't know. But that was just wacky. When there were no antibiotics. Crazy times in the past, man. I'm glad we live now. I'm glad we live now. Mm. Because to think that we'd have sex and our hair would fall out is, is no good. No good at all. Did you ever get one of these venereal diseases? Not syphilis, no. But the other things? No, I've never got any before. Yeah, no. me either. Me Not either. any bad ones. Not anything that antibiotics couldn't sort out. So we're good. You got that thing, the the one that you just take like a couple antibiotics and it's gone? Yeah, 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 that's fine. Maybe. I don't know. What, what, what's the name of that one? I don't remember. I don't... NSU, non-specific urethritis. It's just like a urinary tract disease. You can just drink fucking cranberry juice and get that cleaned up really mm-hmm. yeah i never had that problem oh okay one of now i feel like an asshole 
is just this is interesting <laughs> I'm just bro kidding. this is interesting care. right now with the corona it's facts bro it's facts with the corona i think there's not so much sex going around in it yeah who knows but anyway good week of podcasts i really enjoyed it it was a lot of fun and uh can't wait to see who's you know it seems like he's braver now he wants people back in the studio he was having people just call him before i think now that he can do testing at his facility he's going to have people there more often and uh it's going to be interesting to see what guests he has coming up i hope we got some big names it, it's uh it's like you know i can't think who i would like on anytime soon obviously still Chappelle should go on but uh, we'll see. Fingers crossed. Yeah. All right, George. It's going to be big. Thanks for helping me out this week, as always. And thanks, everyone, for listening. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me. Uh, you guys are awesome. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time. Little nuggets, treasures, valuable pieces of gold in the Joe Rogan Experience podcast and pass them on to you. Perhaps expand a little bit. We are not associated with Joe Rogan in any way. Think of us as the talking dead to Joe's walking dead.